the heat, baby. <laughs> Get ready for some profuse sweating. So just for my own, just so I know how to answer right. Uh-huh. Are you... Do you literally just post this free form, however we discuss it, or do you? Oh yeah. Are you, do you take this as like raw content and splice it together to make it? Good oh no no no! Change? We're recording and this is staying in. Okay. <laughs> so watch what you say. I was I was telling Spencer this last night. I'm not smart enough to know how to edit it. <laughs> I've tried, and it's partially just because I'm editing it all on my phone, right? So it's just pretty limiting. And I've tried moving the the soundtracks around, and it doesn't quite line up right, and yeah. sounds like. Awful. That's really funny because so. I would say the sound quality on yours is better than some professionally produced well, they're, podcasts. They're good mics. They are good mics. It's just the mics, man. But anyway, this is the Van Man Podcast. <laughs> My name is Sam and I'm the Van Man and I have the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Nixon, founder of the Outdoor Adventure Crew. And... Also, probably one of like five men in my life who have made an incredibly impactful, positive change in the way that I live my life. Try not to tear up. Try not to tear up. Oh, here they come. Oh, yeah. It's that sweaters, that tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though. I mean, this is like, I mean, a lot of the people that I'm friends with and that listen to this podcast or follow me know you through the crew. Most of my friends to this day come from the crew or like, you know, I mean, I hang out weekly with Brayden and Kevin and that's through you. That's wild. You know, like, yeah, it really is. I interviewed Spencer last night because of the crew, you know? So anyway, so for people who don't know, can you just tell me about the adventure crew and what it is today? Yeah. So the outdoor adventure crew is a group of young adults that likes to get together and do all sorts of things outdoors. Um, the goal is to help people form connections with both nature and with each other. And so to kind of help us attain that goal, we do a number of different types of events. The biggest and probably most prominent of which is a whole bunch of trips. We, these trips range anywhere from one weekend to full weeks exploring an area, um, and range anywhere from about 12 young adults to, we just ran our largest trip we've ever run up to Jackson hole with 75, so, um, Oof. yeah, it was, it was absolutely wild. A learning curve? Uh, n- less a learning curve and more just reflexing a muscle we haven't flexed. Right. I mean, pre-COVID, we were actually creeping in on that number. Yeah, I mean, we were um, going for 100 to Lake Yeah, Powell. and we actually did. We had a goal to have a 100-person trip to Lake Powell, obviously, pre-COVID. Um, and so it was more getting back into those some of those routines and also right. learning how to do that routine with now – we have um, about 27 people that help us with various aspects of planning and executing these trips, right? So learning how to incorporate them into these processes as well. So, um, yeah, to quote directly, the the reason or the mission of the crew, uh, the reason we do what we do is because we feel like adventure allows our most authentic selves to feel seen and fulfilled through new connections and experiences. Right. And so as part of that, we have a few core pillars, such as building community, increasing accessibility, promoting inclusion, encouraging contribution, fostering accomplishment and welcoming individuality. And it's a really cool experience because uh, as we've centered ourselves around these pillars, one of the things that we have been very successful at is creating a community that especially considering, you know, Utah County is incredibly rich and diverse. Um, Again, especially comparative to where where we're based out of and that's something that's that makes for a really unique and exciting experience because you get to see people of all sorts of walks of life backgrounds ways of thinking come together um and even though they might 
be different from each other in one way or another, come together and have a fairly incredible experience, and also be able to form relationships, which then transfer back into the real world. I mean, over the, you know, kind of like you mentioned, you have a huge friend circle that now came from this, and that's certainly no exception. I mean, I'm I'm no exception from that. Most people aren't. Um, you know, we've had. You know, I pride myself on. The, we joke about the seven marriages that we've had come from the crew, right? Those are people that have right. met on the met on trips and gone on to get married, which we also have another six in the pipeline. There are six other serious relationships, <laughs> which is absolutely wild. Like we joke about that number, but that's because that number is easier to track, but something right. that's a lot harder to track, but I know exists on even in larger scale are the business relationships that have formed, right? People who have gotten jobs or gotten promotions or, you know, changed right. lanes, develop new skills because of the crew um and people have just formed really strong you know best friendships for lack of a better term right because of the crew as well uh, and so it's a really cool experience because a lot of people can come they find everyone finds the crew for a different reason but everyone comes and is able to have a really incredible time and take kind of whatever they need from those trips and from the activities that we run um to leave a little better than hopefully than we found them yeah and i think one part of that that i really key in on is diversity and people who know the crew know it's in utah county and you know typically when somebody thinks of utah county diversity is not the thing they think of and the crew is surprisingly diverse not just in uh ethnicity but in culture right and i think people have a huge tendency to like undervalue the culture of your experiences and the place that you've gone and especially since we have so many people that have gone on missions being in an lds town like those are people who have really experienced different cultures and really know what it's like to live in poverty around the world and bring that together and it's it's exciting it's yeah. fun and and I really do have a lot of friends that I would not be friends with if we didn't like suffer through a hike together at the crew or go on an 8 hour car ride together or something like that you know yeah absolutely it's been a lot of fun so uh how long has it been going now so we have entered our 6th year what is that, Generation 5, think, 4? Depending on how you want to count it, yeah, Generation 4 or 5. <laughs> we're still we're still deciding whether we've had two generations in the last two year and a half or or one, so. Yeah, probably Jury's one. Jury's still out. I think like I one consider and a half myself Gen 3. You are. Oh, okay, cool. cool yeah, you'd cool. definitely be Gen 3. Yeah, I think it's Gen, Gen 4 right now. In my mind, that's how I think it is. <laughs> See, I almost feel like we had a little bit of a half generation. Somewhere um, in the middle. In like 2020. COVID. Yeah. That we hung on to a decent chunk of. But I actually think the dynamic and the people from the crew have changed significantly enough that I would almost begin starting counting it as yeah. a new generation. Just a quick mini COVID generation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So can you tell the origin story? I'm sure a lot of people who have yeah. know the crew already know this, but... Yeah, sorry if we're boring you because you've already heard this. Uh, Michael, no, so anybody who's a part of the crew is just dying to hear you talk about it more. Absolutely. No, um... <laughs> So it all kind of got started my sophomore year of college because of two things. Uh, first and foremost, I've always been a little bit of an organizer by nature, right? I was always right. the kid. You know, I, I organized my fifth grade class into signing a petition about lunch, the, the awful lunch leftovers that we were getting served. Right, because you're the they're running out of friend. food. Yeah, I'm the spreadsheet friend, sure. Um, so it's partially that, but also partially just kind of being tired of the very typical college conversation that happened. You know, we're all sitting around in the front room, and you're like, wow, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so sick if we like went and hiked Angel's Landing and everyone's around and he's like, yeah, yeah, that would be so so rad. And then it never happens. Um, <clears throat> that absolutely drives me bonkers. And so finally I kind of just got to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm 22 at this age. Uh, at that point, I 
can drive my own car. I can book my own campsite. I can buy my own food. Like I can, I can do this just fine. And I wanted to stop waiting for people to essentially go have these adventures and do these things that I really wanted to. And so very much shifted my mentality from, you know, waiting on the group of friends to essentially saying, look, I'm planning this. If you want to come great, but if not, no hard feelings. And so, you know, started planning some of these trips, mostly for myself and a few friends and one day procrastinating studying for finals i decided to start putting things on instagram some of the pictures that we had from the various trips this was back in the very early days of instagram um and people started following us which was weird and then uh, people kept following us which is even weirder right and eventually people even started sliding into our dms saying like hey i want to come on these things and so between that and a mixture of um, what one of my roommates at the time would have just would describe as oids, uh, obsessive invitational disorder. Right. Oh, nice. So I was, I was the guy on the bus that we'd talk for five minutes and I'd be like, yo, you're super chill. Come camping with us this weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, between those two things and then some word of mouth, it really started to blossom, uh, to the point now where, yeah, we have, uh, we're running 30 trips this year and we have Whoa. almost 2000 people that receive our information, uh, when we have trips and stuff. Um, and it's just it's blossomed into something that I never would have imagined at that point. Holy smokes, thirty trips! Yeah, wow. And that's just getting started too. Holy cow! But elaborate on that. What's the goal? Do you have a more solidified five year goal? Because I remember talking about this, gosh, twenty twenty, a couple of years ago at the beginning of COVID, and asking you you know, what do you see it blossoming into? And you had a couple of different ideas and you're like, I'm not really sure, but it's going to be one of these things. Yeah. So that's a really good question. That is a question kind of like you just mentioned that we've had to do a lot of soul searching in the last year in particular to kind of discover, um, you know, you joked about the generations thing. Uh, but for everyone listening, we, we jokingly refer to generations as people who kind of join the crew, uh, get what they need. And then eventually for one reason or another, uh, fade off, you know, right off into the sunset oh yeah i'm, I'm um, totally in gen three i haven't been on a trip in which probably is, two years which is fine right and right. there's there's no hard feelings about that we understand right. that life takes people different places that people have different needs at different times and that's you know so none of that's disparaging but part of that what certainly comes with that as well though is kind of a relearning process and also right. especially now with having so many people to help a re a re-leadership and a re-staffing almost process right. that goes with it as well and, you know, so about a year ago, after we did our trip with the national parks, we really kind of hit a critical point where Allison and I had to sit down and discuss, like, is this going to keep going, essentially? Because right. when we got back from the parks, um, it was essentially myself and, and one other guy. And frankly, he, he was even dragging me through things, right? He, he was right. the one pulling, pushing a lot of things. And we kind of had to sit down and say, okay, what are we going to do? Is this going to be sustainable? And how do we want this? What do we want this to look like in the future? And we ultimately, uh, as, as hard as it was at that point, we also didn't feel good about letting it go. We knew it was having such a strong impact in so many people's lives that we didn't feel good about killing it. Right. But we also knew that there needed to be some significant changes that needed to happen as far as organization structure went, if it was going to keep being viable. Because it, right. it was just wearing me out particularly uh, too much. It was too much of a workload. Right. Um, and so that kind of started a, what's now almost a year and a half long process, or I guess a year long process of uh, reorganization for the crew and kind of trying to reposition ourselves first and foremost to get me out of the crew. You know, right. and I don't mean that in the sense of I'm going to stop going on trips, but rather I can no longer be the brain, the brawn, 
and the motor behind everything the right. crew does. You've got to be able to step away. Exactly. I, I need this to be something that can live without me. Right. And so, you know, that first off started a huge process of really upping the number of people that we had helping with the crew. Right. Right. Even then, we took what was then a five-person team, um, recommitted most of them to, to the cause, which was really important, but then also added, even then, you know, another 10 people to the team um, to start the reorg, start kind of this rebuilding process. And since then, obviously, we've added another 15, uh, which has been wild. So to kind of get back to your original Pause. question. Just a sorry. second. That is... Like, just thinking about that, it took... I mean, obviously, you're doing more trips now, right? Yeah. You weren't doing 30 trips by yourself, but you were doing one a month. You were doing 15. I was doing anywhere between 12 and 30, or 12 and 12, 12 and 25 a year. And it took you 15 people <laughs> to replace just that. No, it's, and then it's, another... It's, it's s- taken 30 and probably another 15 to replace <laughs> just that. That's um, awesome. No, that's... I say jokingly, but that's actually not true. We are doing more as far as scope goes yeah. now. Uh, than we ever have. I mean, we have people running everything from a website to we're going to have merch, some merch stuff dropping soon. Hell yeah. Um, something, someone, something people have literally been asking for since the beginning of time that I've just never had the time to get around to. Right. Our marketing is doing better than it ever has um, just because we have more people with more eyes doing, you know, more, more things, things, which is More incredible. ideas. Mm-hmm, more, more ideas. More split responsibility. Yeah. Um, so to kind of get back to that original question, where is this headed? Uh, so the first thing, yeah, is we have, we are very much in the process and at this point largely have attained building an organization with processes that can now survive without me, Right. um, which has been really cool in the last, you know, three months in particular, as we've had trips come and go that I've hardly, uh, uh, the, the biggest role I've played has been approvals, right? right? Reviewing itineraries, reviewing plans, and making sure things are right, which is great. And that's where my expertise can be used. But not not being the one pl- making the itinerary, not making the one making right. the spreadsheets, not being the one shopping for food, right? And we have teams that take care of all of that stuff. Um, now that that has kind of gotten in place, you know, the next six months especially, we're going to be focusing very heavily on building out the processes now that we've got the scope. Right right the the rallying cry almost for the next six months is build things that a monkey could do right because kind of like i mentioned we're only getting started as far as the scale goes we've had unprecedented growth and participation this year and while we love to see that unfortunately because we hinge so heavily on trips that means we need to be doing more trips so uh you know i think in a year or two we're gonna look back and say wow 30 trips that's cute um, <laughs> really, and so we need to focus in the next six months, particularly around building the processes that allow us to really scale the level, the number of trips that we do in a very meaningful way, so that we can right. continue providing this opportunity to as many people as want to participate, rather than having to constrict that. Um, the second thing that you're going to start seeing us do is opening this up in a larger geography or larger uh, uh, span of geographies. Yeah. So we are kind of still playing with this model and honing it but we're calling them outposts for right now um and an outpost will essentially be an area in which the crew exists that has uh crew activities going on so you know for one area that we've experienced a tremendous amount of growth thanks to some key people that we brought onto staff and also just 
the natural growth of the crew is we now have huge demographics up in the North Utah area and like the Ogden Weber area. Oh, wow. Um, and we also have a very sizable demographic down in St. George. And so, you know, these people, when we were on trips, we either pick them up along the way or they come up and meet us and travel the rest of the way with us, which is great. Right. And that works well. Um, but when it comes to doing activities like the hike and hangs, which are just right. day long or, you know, hours long activities that are usually free, um, we don't have a lot of those in those geographies yet. And so that's kind of the next step, I think, is while we won't run necessarily St. George specific trips, if you will, we will start doing uh, more of the hike and hang activities in both the North Utah area and the St. George area. Yeah. And that's really important because those hike and hang activities are really kind of the first step for most people's journeys with the crew, right. right? As much as we would love everyone to be bold enough to go hop in a white van with people they met on the internet, you can obviously understand from me just explaining that that way, how creepy or how, how some people might not, that might not be how some people get their jollies. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, hiking hangs provide a really good conduit for people to come meet people in a safe space, get to know the low group a little better, low commitment, right. uh, low cost. And then transition into doing activities uh, as well. So that's that's the next big step. Uh, the final area you're going to see the crew expand in the next uh, even year or two is in the diversity of activities that we provide. That was something that even this year we started focusing on a lot more. You've mm-hmm. every every quarter at least we've had some sort of specialized activity. So whether that's river rafting, climbing, mountain biking, et cetera, right? right? Some sort of, some sort of activity that's a little more technical. Historically, the the trips that the crew has run are just very standard camping, hiking, generally. Um, yeah, whereas now beginner. we're doing, yep, and very beginner oriented. Now we're going to start branching into a lot more uh, technical activities and also activities that accommodate varying levels of skill, but all under the same umbrella. Right, because you can go climbing, and you might have one or two beginners, but most people are going to be intermediate, and it also tailors to the people who are advanced who don't want to just go on a hike. They want to climb. They want to really climb. Um, There's also a lot of different types of adventures uh, that we're we're looking at, or not looking, we're actively expanding into. So, for example... Um, we've had a lot of requests for a lot of, for a long time to do some international trips. Um, so we're in the process of planning yeah. a trip to the Dolomites in Italy, um, as well as British Columbia to, wow. to do that. Um, just, you know, some of those Canadian national parks and we've got another trip to Iceland generally slated. Um, we are very actively in the process of planning a trip next year in 2023, uh, to do an Alaskan cruise. Um, with oh. the group, which will be really fun. Is that like a everybody can join? Kind yeah, of thing? Well, absolutely. Like, I mean, there's not going to be a max limit. There's not. We're going to take 13 people. It's no, no, no. Yeah, that will. Well, so uh, we're still working out some of the logistics. Right. Uh huh. We've actually looked at chartering an entire cruise ship for the group. <sighs> uh, you know, obviously oh. a very small cruise ship, but uh, that would be really fun just because it allows us ultimate flexibility to control our own itinerary. Right. I mean, there are some of these ships that that do the ports of Alaska where you can literally look at the captain and say, hey, those icebergs over there look super sick. Can you stop the boat? And they'll throw the kayaks overboard, and you can go kayak in the icebergs. Right. Your ship, your choice. Your ship, your choice kind of thing. Um, we might do something like that. Part of the we'll, ship, part of the crew, <laughs> part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> uh, or we might be doing something a little with more and more traditional lines. We're still figuring cool. that out, right? But there's, again a lot more diversity in the activities that we're doing. Um, we're also very much actively expanding into kind of trying to work with this digital nomad trend that exists, right? right? We have a lot of people within the crew that can work remotely 
And oh, yeah. so what could we do as far as a trip goes? Because one of our biggest constraints, obviously, is just time away from work and school. And that is something we really do genuinely right. believe is that adventure should supplement life, not vice versa. And so, you know, what could we do, though, to create experiences and adventures for those people who can work remotely where you're rem- working remotely but from a different location? Right. Um, part of that, one other final place we're looking at is we're calling them Epics. Yeah. And we actually hoped to have one of those, a couple of those launched this year. Um, we'll see if we actually get across the finish line on that. But, you know, those are utilizing the bus that we renovated last year. So you'd go out with a team of six or eight and spend, you know, two to four weeks together on a bus doing much more of a deep dive into an area. Um, and we'll run groups of those that are just people who aren't working. Mm-hmm. And we'll also probably run some ones where, yeah, during the day you'd work from the bus since we have all the it capabilities there and then you know during the evenings you would go continue to explore where you're at oh that'd be cool it is it's gonna be it's really exciting um and it's a lot of new incredible opportunities that again though would not have been possible without first that first step of some of the restructuring and you know this whole team now of incredible humans that are so generous with their time to help us kind of build and develop those things yeah, we didn't specifically say this, but this is a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's volunteer. Any of the money that you pay to the crew goes straight to expenses. Nobody's being paid. You're not a millionaire. You're not <laughs> I wish. You're not no, yeah, making no, any but, money off but of yeah, this. But no yeah, one, no one here is making any sort of wage or profit at this point um, off of the crew. Are you... So, I, obviously, when it first got us started, in like buying Betty and things like that, it was you know you funding a lot of that yes uh how much have you been able to step away from that 100 percent. still still in the process of extracting myself from (laughs) from the cruise finances we're getting better um we are you know as we've been able to build up you know pools for lack of a better term or accounts that allow us to buy things in advance right because that's a big game as part of making trip plans is you know airbnbs for example we do cabin trips every winter i have to reserve those airbnbs eight months in advance um, and so obviously there, that creates some cash flow problems, but right. we're, yeah, we're working on helping the crew be better, better situated to handle those independently of my finances. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what, um, what is, I mean, it sounds like the biggest struggle for you has just been being able to step away, uh, emotionally and mentally. What have been some of the difficult parts about that? Like, do you... Any, like I guess here's a better question any regrets regrets as far as just the expansion process or no let's say let's uh, forget that question that was a dumb question let's just do regrets as far as the crew in the last five years six years since it's been going do you have any like damn it I should have done that um I think first and foremost probably a lot of my biggest regrets stem from my own foibles as a human right sure. um I like to joke that the crew has very much been my business lab for the last six years. Right. Right. And that, yeah, you know, that has everything to do from finance and product design to, uh, people management. Right. Right. And especially in that area, you know, I will be the first to acknowledge that I have been a far from perfect manager. Um, and it's particularly hard when, you know, you're working with people who are a not paid, including yourself. Right. But people who are unpaid and thus volunteering their time and giving so graciously, um, while also juxtaposing that against, you know, the drive that I feel and a lot of people feel to help 
push the crew forward, right? Those can sometimes right. come into conflict. Um, but then also combined with the fact that, you know, I'm not a perfect manager. I'm not a perfect communicator. Um, and again, working with friends, you know, any point that maybe those two things have come into conflict uh, as well. So I think that would probably be the larger, the larger source of regret. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say, um, maybe not someone who specifically wants to open up their own outdoor adventure crew, but somebody who wants to start a business and try to scale it the way that you have, what would you be, what would be the advice for that? Cause you have a lot of experience and a lot of yeah. things that you've done to flip concert tickets <laughs> for that. What is it? The ha- Halloween, all sorts of business. Wild <laughs> you've, you've done a lot of different things. What would, what would be your advice? I think one of the first things that I would say is that there's just, there's no replacement for grinding and like at, at risk of right. sounding like one of those LinkedIn or Instagram business hype beasts, right? I the absolutely Gary hate those, the Gary V's of the world. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of people looked at the crew, especially in the beginning, right? When we had at that point in time, you know, we got to, we got to about a 10,000 fo- person following very quickly right. early on. And, and, you know, in, in the early days of Instagram, that was a lot more significant than it might be now. Right. Um, but you know, I think we had a lot of people look at it and say, well, you really kind of fluked into that when in reality there was absolutely no fluke there about was no fluke that. that. That was, that was yeah. 100% me grinding and working to develop the Instagram platform with the people we were working with. And I, and I think that, you know, I use that as a specific example, but I think that goes for just about anything that we've had to do with the crew. Um, there are very few silver bullets in life. Yeah. And if you really want something, then you need to first off have the balls to pull the trigger on it. Right. And then second, have the guts to grind through it and to keep pushing on something. Um, because there are times where it's not going to be, there are times where it's going to push you. It's going to break you. I mean, I've, I've shed tears over the crew over how, you know, sometimes emotionally broken or, uh, difficult this process has been. Um, but at the same time, there are payouts along the way that have made it, absolutely worth it um i think the second thing i would say as far as advice is start early establishing business processes you know this is something that i'm focusing so heavily with my people on right now but the thing is i have some incredibly brilliant bright minds working to establish these things but the one of the biggest sources of burnout for people is when they feel like they're having to reinvent the wheel every time right right if we are planning every trip as though it's our first trip, it's not a sustainable model, right? Right. And so rather we have to build templates, we have to build processes that allow us to capitalize on the things that we've learned along the way and really continue pushing things forward. And that's yeah. what ultimately what allows us to make make what we did yesterday something that's automatic today, which allows us to continue breaking new ground and offering and trying new things. Right. That's, uh, isn't that the e-myth? The myth talks a lot about that. Have you read that? I haven't actually. It's the entrepreneurial myth. It's a famous book that's pretty old, and mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of point to it as their first go-to book for entrepreneurs. But it talks a lot about processes, and it, it, you know, the basic concept is McDonald's is so good because it can train anyone. Yeah. Right. They have very specific processes. I mean, like look at Subway. Like they put a, they put six pepperonis on your sub every time, not four, not five, not seven, six. 
you know, yeah. I don't know if it's actually six, probably yeah. five, but it's, it's a process and anybody can follow that process. It's the same thing every time so that they can take literally anyone and just train them. Well, and I think even even beyond the point of being able to have anyone do it, which is awesome, which is a very important goal and right. place to get to, part of it too, though, is just those processes help you capture learnings. Right. And what that requires, though, is you have to start from a very, very uh, granular place. I mean, you know, the founders of Airbnb are, are, are a huge good example and proponents of this, right? Is that they would do every process themselves by hand as manually as possible until they understood what was happening in that process, and then you start to automate it, right? Right. And that's really important because a then they are very intentional and understand everything about their process, mm-hmm. but then b they also understand exactly how the automation and process needs to be built to accommodate for all of the different, uh, you know, use cases that can exist right. there. Yeah, and that creates a lasting solution that then scales because it was so perfect in the first place. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have an employee that can do the job. It's better to have an employee that understands the job well enough to know where the weaknesses are. Correct. And then approach those weaknesses and, and fix them for the next guy. 100%. Yeah. Well, and they also know, they know it well enough to be able to push it forward. Right. You're right. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite crew trip? <laughs> That eye roll, uh, heavy eye roll inside. <laughs> there have been some really good ones. You know, over six years, I've, I've by my count, I've done a few, a little over two hundred of these. Right. Um, there are a few that stand out. I mean, our first trip to Canada to go to Banff was really fun. Yeah. Um, I think backpack rafting, Horseshoe Bend was another one of my favorites, oh my just gosh. because of the novelty. I can't wait to do that. that again. It's on um, my list to do it again. Nine mile campsite. Yeah. You know that that was super fun, and she was a challenge. Right. Uh, this last trip to Jackson was incredibly fun just because of some of the relationships. Right. Um, we also did just a, a kind of an experimental trip a couple of weeks ago. We called it the I-15 crawl. And essentially, oh, right. you know, we talk, we talk a lot about experience design uh, in the crew and within the crew leadership, right? Because the it's, power it's, of moments. Yeah, with to, the power of moments and things like that. That's a book that. for everybody listening. The power of moments is an incredible book on, well, you explain it. It's your book. Um, your, yeah, it's just an incredible moment on on experience design and how to help people create how, or how you can on a, in a systemic way, create moments for people, right? Because it's moments that help us attain that crew vision of helping people feel fulfilled, helping people feel authentic, helping people attain, right? If you think about it from, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's that top corner of, yeah. of the pyramid, right? It's, it's manufacturing experience those intentionally. Precisely. Letting them happen. Um, anyway, but, uh, you know, someone who really girl. experiences with that, uh, I also think experiences can kind of be art in a way. And so I guess if I had to explain it, the I-15 crawl was my first dabbling of using an experience as art, where we huh. realized that there were a lot of places that in the bustle of regular trips uh, where we were, were getting passed by, right? Because they might right. not be big enough or significant enough to have a trip of themselves. Uh-huh. Um, but we're still, you know, for one reason or another, really fun or significant. And so essentially... Uh, it was a very different trip than what the crew normally runs in that we only had a few uh, itinerary points. And from there, we just really had a start point, a turnaround point, and an end point for the trip, which was starting in Provo, Utah, turning around at Sand Hollow Reservoir in St. George, and returning to Provo, Utah over the course of those three days. And we decided you know, to keep a very exclusive group of 13 people, just a van full. Right. Um, good, good old Betty. Right, a very, a very, con- maybe exclusive isn't the right word, but a constricted number of participants right. for the better exp- for for an experience, 
And then the general rule, I, I joked that it was the first purely democratic trip that the crew had ever run. Um, right. But the general rule was if you saw something that you wanted to stop at, you had to get two other people on board with you. And if you could get three people or two people interested right. plus yourself, then the whole van would vote on it. And if you could get a majority of the people to say, yeah, we want to stop here, we would stop there. You know, and so that led us to places like the Perwin Gap uh, petroglyphs, which are super incredible. Again, somewhere we would never have stopped of our right. own accord. Um, and certainly never would have planned a trip exclusively for, but something right. that was very worth seeing. Uh, we did a, we found this really cool waterfall hike uh, that are kind of the headwaters of the Virgin River for Zion National Park, where oh, the water literally comes out of these uh, lava tubes or caves. So, you know, we hiked back probably a good 200, 300 feet into these caves, which was super fun. Wow. Um, you know, and then, you know, that just a lot of these places that we never... We would have, we just buzz past right as we're getting to Zion big or enough to do Park. a weekend over and yeah. it's not, not even quite big enough to do like a day after yeah and so that was uh, I think that probably makes makes the list as well just because of the uniqueness and also it was just really cool to see so many different places yeah I remember following that on Instagram that was I was like what are they doing <laughs> at first I thought you were just coming back from a different trip and just had an extra time or just had thirteen people that had an extra day or something. And then I was like, no, they did this on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> they but went out intentionally to just hit these little find spots. find these weird places. Yeah. Um, okay, we're about at our 30 minutes, and I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, just from your own experience, maybe not even uh, exclusively from the crew experience, yeah. but what would be your advice to people listening to this on how to be happy and how to live a happy life? I think some of the best advice I could give people this is going to sound a little bit maybe hokey, phony, whatever. As far as how to live a happy life, is to figure out what makes you happy and pursue that unabashedly. Right. Um, I think we see so many people who are waiting, waiting for permission from someone else waiting for permission from themselves waiting for someone to do things with um that really put off goals and dreams that they have and i wish that more people would get in the habit of uh pulling the trigger on those kind of things and really just sending things realizing that along the way you're going to make the connections you're going to have the experiences you're going to find the fulfillment that you were actually waiting for in the beginning um, I think the second thing that I would tell people as far as happiness is that some of the relationships that you form doing those things and the relationships you form in life are one of the key, in my opinion, factors into happiness. I mean, they've, they've done tons of, they've done a few longitudinal studies at this point. Uh, Harvard published the most recent one where they found that the leading indicator of someone's quality of life and length of life was actually the number of meaningful relationships that that person had and maintained, right? Um, there are so many people out there who need connection. You know, I, I talked about that a lot in the Treehouse talk that I gave um, a few months ago. You can find that on the crew's Instagram, right? But there are so many people out there who, for one reason or another, we feel isolated, we feel alone, um, when in reality 
that's just simply not the case statistically. You know, right. in any group of even a thousand people, it's almost statistically probable that there is someone who shares a very similar experience. But we let ourselves focus so much on things that make us different from each other that we miss out on the world of things that makes us the same. And if we will intentionally suspend judgment and actively reach out to each other, build those relationships, focus on those similarities, right? We are able to form these incredibly deep, meaningful, powerful relationships that, at least for me, have brought immeasurable amounts of happiness to my life. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for doing this and talking to me and and sweating this man with me. My absolute pleasure. Yeah. Love you, man. Love you too.